Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Coleman Had a Dream podcast. We've had a, a little bit of a mini break. Real life has intervened, but we're back to talk to you about the two women's games and the two upcoming men's games as well. I am joined, as always, by Ruth. How are you doing, Ruth? You okay? Doing doing fine. Nice to nice to have the gang back. I know together. exactly to get the band band back together. We haven't done this for a while, have we? we? Unfortunately, like I say, life has gone in the way. We've had to do kind of real actual things which is quite dull so it's nice to be back talking about welsh football again <laughs> of course of course uh and obviously the fact that it's here with you is obviously an added bonus to the situation i uh you know i wish gwen harris was here again but you know i'm stuck with you so what can you do <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you lovely i'll hang up now <laughs> yeah i'll see if i can text her and get her back on um well there you go ladies and gentlemen um we're going to start by talking about the women's game, hence the mention, mention sorry, of Gwenan Harris, um, before going on and talking about the uh, the men's games and obviously the squad that's been announced uh, as we look to face Belarus and Belgium uh, in the next couple of days. Um, we'll start with the women's games, Ruth. I thought the Slovakia game was a really interesting one. And the one thing that kind of came across to me... Is whilst we Slovenia? Do you mean Slovenia? Oh my God! What a great start! In my defence, <laughs> it is late by my standards and early for you, so uh, they're easily confused the two of them. I feel like we play Slovakia all the time as well. Anyway, um, Slovenia, yeah. Um, apologies, everyone. Um, yeah, Slovenia. I think we would have taken four points from those two games beforehand, but the Slovenia game in particular. I wonder if there might be a little bit of regret knocking around that we didn't take any of our chances, especially first half. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I think going into the game, difficult away game against the, the team that, you know, really were probably looking at going to head to head for second for second place after the French. I think we'd have settled for a draw. Um, but then when you look at the game, they only had one shot on target, obviously scored. Um we created lots of opportunities. Their their goalkeeper, uh Mosnik had a had a really excellent game we've come up against some good goalkeepers across across the the games in this qualifying group actually um the fact that we went down to 10 players i mean i think when you even out the things that would sort of seesaw you towards thinking we should have won it and seesaw you away in the other direction of you know it's a good away draw I, i i think i'm comfortable enough with with this, I think the important thing is that we keep outscoring the Slovenians, given <clears throat> given that it's this weird head-to-head thing in the end that will decide this this group of people are on the same points. Yeah. So, you know, all in all, I, 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 I'm with you. I think I think four points from those two games, ten points overall. I think it's been a very good start. I mean, to look at the the goals, obviously their goal. Uh, came from a, a bit of a, I thought it was quite a weird goal actually like a bit of a mix up on on our right hand side kind of got them to be able to recycle the ball but I mean to be fair I don't think uh, Laura Sullivan can do much about that it's a great great strike great finish I know she gets fingertips to it which makes it look like she can do more but I think the ball was struck so early and so soon that you know that the fact that she reacted to it and got something to it was is outstanding anyway so I don't think there's much can be done about that goal really is there Yes and no. I mean, I thought it was a weird bit of playing out from the back when we probably should have cleared it that kind of led to them getting possession. Um, That was a bit disappointing, really, I think. And I'm not sure I agree with you about her attempt 
I did save on that actually because she went she went with her weaker hand, which seemed strange. Um, I wonder I wonder if she would have got more on it uh, going with the other hand. So I'm I'm perhaps not as complimentary about that bit of goalkeeping work as as you are. I think the difficult thing for me was that it was so the shot was taken on very soon. It was one touch and hit. And I think it's easy when you kind of see this and look back at replays and whatever to say like, oh, bloody hell. But what I think in real time when you've got that one touch and hit, to the fact that, you know, to, to react to that as quickly as you need to, I think is really, really difficult. So I'm going to give, I've been harsh on Laura uh, O'Sullivan, so I'll give her a bit of a pass on that one. I thought she did well to get something to the ball. And I think it was a very well taken strike. I mean, equally, I thought our goal was very well taken. A great, free kick in a great ball in and and Kaylee Green popping up at the back post to to nod it home yeah and I I like the fact that we didn't let our heads drop after being you know fairly dominant in the game and then give it giving that goal away it would have been easy to kind of think you know it's not going to be our night uh, but I like the fact that they came straight back and uh, and and dug in and got that goal it was uh, no it was nicely taken as you say uh, I have a mildly amusing story about this. But, uh, we, When this game was on, my wife and I, Joy, were in a little place called Vera, which is uh, maybe an hour and a half outside of where we live in The Hague. And I basically said I wanted to go back to our place that we were staying so I could watch the game. And we'd gone for a big walk with a dog and got back to this restaurant and we're having a couple of drinks and the dog was just absolutely sparko fast asleep. So Joy was just like, why don't we just stay here? He's asleep. I can have a drink. We can have a drink. And she said, why don't you watch the game on your phone? So I was just like, will do. So watching the, watching the second half of my phone and the, the waiter at this place comes over and says, oh, what, what, what on earth are you doing? Your wife looks miserable and you're sat watching something on your phone. And I said, oh, there's a big Wales game on. I'm watching Wales play. And he said, oh, do you have a Dutch team as well? My Dutch team are playing. I was like, oh, yeah, who's your Dutch team? And he said, Addo Den Haag. And I was like, oh, it's funny you should mention it, mate. I've got a season ticket for Addo. So he says, oh, you are. I'll treat you. So he goes and gets one of the iPads that you use, you know, for ordering and whatever. And he's uh, uploaded the ESPN app onto the uh, onto the iPad. So I've got my phone showing the Wales game on one side. And I've got the Addo game on the uh, on the iPad belonging to the restaurant on the other one and this fella's looking over my shoulder Joy is having an absolutely terrible time whilst I'm sat watching two football <laughs> matches at once with a with a massive Dutch beer I, it was absolutely superb um, but Adam lost 2-0 but uh, you can't win them all but yeah it was um, yeah it was great I, obviously the sending off affected it because I thought when we scored the momentum was very much with us and I think Slovenia looked a little bit shell-shocked to an extent so I thought it was a shame, really, the time. Obviously, it's a shame she gets sent off anyway, but the timing, it was a shame because I thought we'd kind of got a bit of momentum. And also, it's one of them. I mean, it is probably just about a second yellow card, but I, I did think it was a little bit harsh. She's making a genuine attempt to close the ball down there, and I'm not sure that it's particularly, I was going to say fair, which makes it sound childish, but it, it was certainly didn't seem like a, you know, a full-blooded red card decision. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I don't think it's a full-blooded straight red, but I think, I think it was a bit silly. I suppose as a sliding in on the goalkeeper when you've already got a yellow, I think you're dicing with things a little bit. Um, the refereeing was a little inconsistent on what was and wasn't penalised, so I think you were walking a bit of a tightrope. So, 
I I put it more, you know, a bit of a rush of blood, but I kind of hope someone with Kaylee's Green experience would would be able to avoid actually. But um, I I I I can see why it was a yellow in the context of the game. Yeah, I will say I thought the referee was quite poor in general. To be honest, like you say, inconsistent is a is a great word there. Um, obviously. We come away with that with a point. No one's kind of disappointed with that, I would say. Um, looking ahead then to the Estonia game, I thought, you know, what a fantastic celebration of Welsh women's football that was just overall. The the scenes beforehand with the former players, the 201st game and everything else um, that went around that, I thought that was absolutely superb. Um, having the old players there on the pitch and doing interviews and whatever, again, I thought it was just fantastic. And the media that surrounded it was superb and on the pitch, it was just a, a great performance, really, from start to finish. I think we completely controlled and dominated the game. Some some lovely, lovely goals, um, some great passing moves um, to to kind of build our possession stats, if you like, and and kind of really dominate and take the game to them. I just thought from start to finish, everything that happened in that game was just fabulous to watch. Yeah. It was just a great celebration, really, wasn't it? The, you know, breaking the attendance record, four nice goals acknowledgement of the 200 games and as you say the whole sort of social media and sharing and events that were going on around the 200th game were that that was just great to see and I think um you know the number of schools and youth groups and things that that took girls well, and boys to the game and it, just the whole thing it was just it was just a, a great night and uh I, th- I think as well there was a lot of people you know sharing posts afterwards commenting on how long the players stayed out on the on the pitch after the game and were busy doing you know autographs and photos and it it just kind of echoes that whole engagement level that the women's squad have with the red wall and I, and I think it was a, it was a sort of lovely mutual celebration of that wasn't it it really was and I, I know we you know I was going to say bang on about this like we it's but it's not a banging on it's it's so refreshing to see this. And, you know, I was talking about this. At, I went to watch Ado play on the weekend and we were saying after the match, the fans and the players came over and the players, you know, were kind of singing songs and our big centre-forward, Thomas Verheit, was asked to come over and kind of lead a song for the fans right at the end. And the stadium was pretty much empty. All the other players had gone off, but big Tommy came forward and kind of like started a chant with the fans and was dancing around the pitch on his own and that makes a massive difference to people people think and feel like he's one of us he's in the gang and I feel like exactly the same with the women's players they they get it our interactions with them as as fans on on social media and the things that they do and give and everything like I saw Tash Harding gave the shirt gave her shirt away for the 200th game which you know is is probably quite a big deal to her, I'd imagine, and you know, you know, to to kind of give that to a fan is a big deal for that fan as well. But that connection, that that kind of really, really matters, I think, and I think it encourages more and more people to go because they're going to meet their heroes, and that's something that you know very rarely happens when you're, especially when you're a kid growing up. And you know, we've talked about visibility being so so important. If you if you can't see it, you can't achieve it, and that's why this. Um, for them, for her, you know, campaign is so powerful as well because it's easy to say these words, but the the players really seem to mean it. It it has, you know, resonance because it's genuine, and I think that's that's so so important, but also so great to see. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't dis- can't but uh, agree with everything you've you've said there. I think there's a there's a there's a whole momentum here. I just I just hope we can bring it to fruition with a tournament. 
I mean, that's the big question here: is are we are we on the march now, Ruth? Is this it? Are we are we getting there? Obviously, big double header coming up. But we'll do a preview for that against Greece and France. Um, you know, two big games. You know, four points from those two games would be a, a great, great achievement. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think our chances of taking something against the French, especially away, are, are pretty minimal. At, at, you know, but we ha- we absolutely have to take three three against Greece. Um, I, I mean, I think it's I think it's a second place situation. If we're sensible, the, the French are gonna, um, you know, they sh- they should, in relative terms, cruise cruise this group. So we're looking to try and finish second, and then and then from there, it's a you know, it's the the God knows what of the playoffs. Um, but I think the important thing is that we keep progressing and and we keep the the momentum builds and uh, I I'm hoping that uh, the Greece game is down in Slovenia again, isn't it? Is that right? Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. And I, you know, if we if we can get another nice crowd out for that, the girls seem to enjoy that staging when they were down there before. So um, yeah, just like you say, big big double header coming up. Yeah, and I think, you know, you're talking about the playoffs there. I don't think my heart can deal with the men's team and the women's <laughs> team in the playoffs in the same in the same month or so probably. So um if if uh, if that uh, if that could be avoided, if we could beat the French home and away, that would make my life a lot easier. So, uh, I say in the same month, it's not the, the, go on. You're all right. You've got a you've got a bit of time before we have to worry about playoffs for the girls. So, yeah, I was going to say maybe I, you can your blood pressure can build up yeah, slowly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I could build to that. Yeah, I said the same month there. It's it's not even the same year. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm tired. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, fantastic performance. Like I say, we're gonna we're gonna come back and and talk about uh, give a preview in a in a future pod for the games against Greece and France. So yeah, keep an eye out and an ear out for them now to look forward to the men's games that are coming up. Can we can we sorry. just mention Hannah Kane's injury? Oh, yes. Because that I was oh that was nasty nasty the injury that she's she's uh, sustained since since that window, isn't it? Yeah, she came on and, and kind of was very positive I thought and you know had a great game in you know good a good game to get your debut. Um and for her to <laughs> do a cruciate ligament I think it was um for Leicester the week after. Um is a big, big shame. So hopefully she can come back and make a full recovery as Megan Wynn has and, and hopefully continue to contribute yeah. in the, to the squad in the future. Yep. Nice to, nice to see her involved, though. Just, oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I think, George, that's one more thing I was going to add is the depth of the squad, I think, is really growing as well. We kind of, you know, mm-hmm. we're not kind of reliant on too many people. And, you know, you look at the players that we've got in there, like England, James in the middle of midfield is a fantastic combination, especially when you've got people like Fishlock and Harding around them. And I think the depth of players that's coming through, like Lily Woodham is someone I know we've talked about before, but also someone like Hannah Kane um, is really encouraging. Uh, Kerry Holland is obviously another one as well. And you've still got people like Helen Ward, who's, um, you know, a great, a great, amount of experience to have and obviously she's not a million miles away from a hundredth cap as well coming up soon so yeah just a fantastic uh, fantastic group but we hope hannah gets well soon i'm very much doubt she listens to this but if you do hannah we hope you get better <laughs> soon we hope you see to it see you on the pitch soon yeah um so yes to, to go to uh, the men's game obviously we have two games coming up against belarus and belgium to see the outcome of this group really and see what's going to happen in terms of where we end up with the qualifiers before we uh, before with the playoffs sorry before we get to that point because 
you know, there's more complicated maths. Uh, you need to work for NASA, I think, to be able to fully understand what might happen in the playoffs. But before we get there, I just want to make a few points uh, based on the squad. I think the reality is, Ruth, that there weren't really many surprises in there, were there? Um, no, I th- I mean, I, I think the omission of Matt Smith, and we might want to talk about that, and the, the sort of inconsistent messages that that are coming out of uh, out of the management team around sort of player inclusion. Uh, but if you're looking at, I mean, I think that there's probably twenty, maybe twenty two players that basically self select. Yeah. And then you've got and then you've got another sort of dozen to fifteen that in a squad of this type size you're going to take seven or eight of that fifteen, and you can you can make a case for every one of them being involved and every one of them not being involved. And I think ultimately it just kind of comes down to a manager's almost like personal preference at that point because. It's, it's clearly not being decided on just playing time in the in the way that the argument was made about Matt Smith because if if you were looking at people's playing time currently you wouldn't have brought Reese Norrington Davies back in because he's not playing but you would have brought Rabbi Matondo back in because he is just just as an example you know yeah, I so I, th- I think there's this there's this group of kind of fringe-ish players, and I th- I think at this point I I can't explain it because I don't think there is a consistency to the decision. So I think it's you know it's Paige is weighing up you know are they do they bring something to the to the dynamic on camp? Um, are you bringing them in because you want them to gain experience as they've done previously with Levitt, for example? Are you bringing someone in because you need an obvious substitute backup for somebody else I think there's all of these boxes that mean that those last kind of half a dozen to eight places in the squad list are fluid and it's it's not as clear cut as who's playing and who isn't that's the thing I thought was weird though is that you're right it, that is clearly not the case and that has not been the case for a while and you know I, I don't mind that if that's how you want to pick your squad and what you think is going to suit the best circumstance, like absolutely knock yourself out. That's what I found interesting about the comments with Matt Smith is that to come out and say those things when it doesn't seem mm-hmm. to be the case across the, the squad, I, I thought was really interesting. And obviously you can take out Bale, Ramsey, Rodden out of that scenario to an extent because when they're fit, they're going to play because they're, you know, arguably probably our best three players and I would probably mm-hmm. add Kiefer Moore into that if you wanted him to play you don't really care if he's starting or not he's one of our most important players you play him um so uh, you know that argument I, I I just found I found really interesting the other one that I wanted to oops the other one I wanted to add to that would be Ben Woodburn because he's you know he's playing relatively well and, and scoring goals for um for hearts as well um Mm-hmm. We've been asked a question about this as I'm tr- trying to pad and get through to the right place. Um, Sion, uh, Sion Ben 86 on Twitter said, what does Ben Woodburn have to do to get in the squad? And I do think in the context of the situation mentioned in those Matt Smith comments, that that's a fair question, really. Yeah, and the answer is I don't know because I, I can't see a consistent pattern to this. Um, it was interesting, for example, he was called up 
as coverage in the last window. It wasn't always at the window before, but fairly yeah. recently he was called up as cover. Um, and so and so you'd have thought he was, you know, sort of sitting pretty to be the, the you know, the next cab off the line, as it were. But um, I, I mean, go back to what I said a few minutes ago, Dave, I can't see a consistency to the decisions. So it's very, then very difficult to say, what is he doing? That means he's not, not making the squad because you the, the, there aren't clear criteria. And I agree with you. I think to kind of single Matt Smith out as a playing time issue when that isn't being approached consistently was really interesting. Um, and I, I think if I was, you know, someone in, in Ben Woodburn's position, I'd, I'd want to, it's a question I'd want answered because you, 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 you know, you're peering into a, a crystal ball almost trying to kind of guess what, what individual players need to do because, the, because it's it's seems to be a very personal coach player decision, and like like we were saying before, I haven't got a particular cons- query with that because you know it may be that you include oh I don't know three right backs because you've because you want some extra coverage there in a particular squad and the next squad you don't you know and so someone is in and someone is out and I haven't got an issue with that I think it's just really important that the player it's clear to the players and that's why comments of the nature about Matt Smith confuse me and concern me because I think that puts an emphasis on one attribute when it isn't necessarily a commonly uh, a commonly followed sort of protocol for the players yeah, I agree. I, and we, again, we have talked about this before, so I don't want to labour this point too much, but mm-hmm. the imbalance in it is odd to me. But like you say, as long as the players know, then I think that's half the battle. I would just add to that in terms of that, that comment about playing time and Ben Woodburn. Ben Woodburn has played almost exactly to the minute, twice as many minutes as Tyler Roberts this year. Ben Woodburn has played 593 mm-hmm. minutes and, and Tyler Roberts has played 300. He's also scored two goals. Tyler Roberts has scored none. And yes, is the Premier League, blah, blah, blah. But I'm, I'm, you know, Ben Woodburn has done already more in a Wales shirt than Tyler Roberts has. If I'm gambling on someone, I'm probably looking at him as being someone who comes in. You know, yeah. obviously, I, I don't mind Mark Harris or Colwell being in to an extent, but I, I'm surprised that, that Ben Woodburn hasn't got the nod. But again, I think, like you say, we're kind of, it's easy to focus on these kind of smaller things, I suppose. And you know, it is personal mm-hmm. preference. If you know, is it making that much of a difference? realistically no it's just the statement of it um is the is the interesting thing um was there anyone else obviously we've had levitt and cabango drop out was there anyone else you've seen that i want to avoid the jeffcock comment i I think to be at the moment he's just not scoring goals and i think page doesn't think he's up to at the minute which is fair enough so i I think we can leave that one there was there anyone else that you thought you're intrigued by Uh, not so much intrigued as as we keep coming back to the the what we doing when more's not available? Question. Um, I mean, it's looking a bit like Mark Harris might be the closest we have to a, a straightforward alternative striker at the minute. They're just such different players um, that I, I'm not sure you can really use one as a substitute for the other. But then we haven't we haven't got anybody that would come in and, and readily be a substitute for more. And I think that that concerns me when you've got a squad of 28 and we've, we're probably perming from maybe 35 to make that 28 I just find it very odd that we haven't found room to genuinely look at 
someone of Moore's kind of ilk that could potentially come in um, and substitute for him when he's not available. I mean, I agree, I, I agree to an extent. I, I did mention um, Paul Mullin on Twitter this week, uh, the Wrexham player who's obviously scored a lot of goals of late. And realistically, I know he's playing in the in the National League, but he's he's a championship quality player, I think, in terms of standard or there or thereabouts. And we've certainly got players from that level and below. So he was another one I thought it might be interesting to bring him into the squad. But I do recognise we're at the end of a campaign. Do you want to bring someone in you don't know who might rock the boat? We don't know what he's like personally, you know. You're making it. You're taking a gamble, perhaps where you don't really need to take one. But I, I agree. I mean, the big question you mentioned there, um, GCHQ98 on Twitter asked us, uh, "What should Page do when more is missing?" I mean, that's something I wanted to come on to in in, in terms of the formation, actually, for the actual game itself. But before we get there, um, my final comment is: It was great to see Ramsey and Bale both training today, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And they, I, um, I mean, I think they're both at a point where we've got to manage their minutes very carefully. I think we'll get into formations and their involvement and things. But you know, it's a long time since they've both been available in a camp, so that's great to see. If, if nothing else, obviously, we, the, the question there was asked about uh, what do we do in Moore's absence? Obviously, he's suspended for the Belarus game, and really, if we're looking at the Belarus game, that is. The, the key game, really. I'm, int- I'm intrigued to know, Ruth, what you think they'll do because, from my perspective, Bale may not be fully match pit, but he has to at least start or have, you know, I think he needs to start, really, and have a big involvement in the game. Because if we don't get anything out of that, the Belgium game's irrelevant. There's no point resting him for the Belgium game because it's there's no point in it. I kind of liked when we played two up front against the Czech Republic. I thought that kind of worked well for us. I know DJ isn't a natural centre-forward, but I think that position and being able to utilise his pace was really effective, and it gave him a bit more kind of freedom to roam and move around the pitch a little bit. For me, I'd quite like to see him and Bale up front together and see what they did. Um, You don't need too much pressing out of Bale in that role, so that kind of doesn't stretch his fitness too much. For me, I would like to start... Because we've got to go and win the game ultimately against Belarus. For me, I would start with Ward in goal, Mepham, Rodden, and Davis as a back three, but a genuine back three, with Wilson on the right and Zorba Thomas on the left as genuine wingers, and then two holders in Ampadu and Allen with Ramsey just behind Bale and James. I think we've got to go and take the game to them, and I think that's what I would do. So that would be my replacement for more. What would yours be? You see, I'm I'm very concerned about Bell's fitness, so I, I don't think I'm including him in my starting eleven for that game. Um, I think it would be important that he gets a 20-minute run out, uh, but, but I think we've got to ease him in. I think we've got to be very conscious of not worsening a, the situation with his with his injuries. So, I, I until until the coaching staff and the medical staff can really make a decision about how many minutes he can be playing. I think if everybody's absolutely confident that 90 minutes is fine and there's no risk, well, you can never be sure there's no risk, but there's minimal risk, then, of course, he's included. But I I would be surprised to see him included. Um, So I think I'm, I'm foreseeing a formation a little bit more like we played Belarus away, which was a sort of 
4-2-3-1-ish formation. Right. Um, and then, so I, I'm, I'm not like you. I would have Rodden and Mepham at, at, at the back. And then I think my, the difficult one is, is right wing back at that point because William, neither Williams and Connor Roberts are really playing much or at least sort of on a par. They've been bench warming a bit. Guntz is playing. Um, but I think I'd like to see Connor Roberts in, assuming he's fit and, and good to go. And, and then Davies on the other side. And then I would have, I'd like to see Brandon Johnson in this game because I think he's having such a good season. I think his energy would be, would be really valuable. So I'm torn between um, having two of Johnson, Ramsey and Wilson and again, I think it might depend on where Ramsey is with his fitness and what's going on there and whether he's game ready. I, I, I don't think he's carrying anything in quite the way that, that Bale is. But again, there's a question about how game ready he is. Although he, he managed the, the games in the last window fine, coming off a similar sort of level of, of um, team involvement at Juve. So I, I'd have Alan and Ampadu holding and then... I think I would go Wilson and Ramsey and James and Harris at the front, but I would like to see Brennan Johnson in there somewhere as well. Um, I know what you mean about Johnson. I, and I take your point about Ramsey as well. I, for me, I just, I, do, I just think if Bale's fit enough to play, let's say, half an hour, is he not fit enough to play 45 minutes? Like, I would rather start him and bring him off at half time if we need to and to 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 save him rather than you know if we need him to come on and change the game then it's a different dynamic there's different pressure there mm-hmm. i think i'd rather start him and i would say the same with ramsey i think ramsey will be physically fine and the fact that both of them were in full training today uh, makes me optimistic mm-hmm. i think the reality is of the situation we will probably go with that kind of 5 4 1 type thing with with mm-hmm. James and one other running off, probably Colwell would be my guess. Um, mm-hmm. Not that I know, obviously, but um, that would be my that would be my guess of what I think we would do. But I, equally, I'd be happy with that with the fourth, the four two three one type thing that you mentioned there as well. The the varieties are, are, are obviously interesting to each of us, but it's going to be it's an interesting yeah. I think it, isn't I it? think it's I think it's a sign of the times that we've actually got so much choice. Genuinely, isn't it? Yeah. That we've got, we we can play different formations, we can play different arrangements, we can slot different players. I mean, it's it's a discussion. It's actually a genuine discussion now who the starting eleven is to an extent, and, and I think if everybody's fit, we've probably got a starting eleven. But the 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 fact that we can you know have someone of, for argument's sake, Brennan Johnson's quality and not be playing him. Or Wilson's quality and not be playing him. You know that I think is it's it's a really sort of telling a telling demonstration for where we are in terms of a good twenty players that that can make a difference. I don't think I don't think we're getting depth where we're hitting thirty players that can make a difference, but I think we're getting to a point where we have twenty players that can make a difference. 
No, I agree with you. I mean, obviously the depth could be important, a flawless link here. Uh, Rob Bell uh, has asked us on Twitter a selection of other questions, which we've already answered, so thanks for that, Rob. But he's also asked, we have seven players on yellow cards. Who do we want to protect from the Belgian game? Now, that's a great question. So I did some last-minute research to find out who the seven players were. They are Ampadu, Ramsey, Wilson, Allen, Morel, Thomas... Lawrence, uh, James Lawrence, uh, and Chris Gunter. Well, as a consequence, I think that's an almost <laughs> impossible question to answer because obviously, if we're gonna, if we if we beat Belarus and we need, we can get something out of that Belgium game, which obviously we'll come to in a sec. I would obviously, of those people, want Ampadu, Ramsey, Wilson, Allen, Morel as as guarantees <laughs> and I just don't think that's feasible one of them's almost certain to miss out just on the on the, on the balance of odds so that's yeah. a, it's a really difficult question I think for me Ramsey is the is the one that has to play I think we need to save him um, come what may because I think he's the he's the one that would make a difference there I, I think him and Ampadu I think Morel Alan, we've got people who, to an extent, can do their job a little bit, whereas Ramsey can win us a game, and I don't think the others can win us a game. So, for me, Ramsey is the key one there, isn't he? So, are you saying you wouldn't play, you wouldn't risk him against Belarus? I'm saying I would risk him against Belarus because I think we need to win that game. So there's no point in mm-hmm. being able to play in the Belgium game if if it doesn't matter. I think the 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 thing I'm getting at there is I think if again same kind of argument with a bail. Obviously we need to win the game, but if we go one nil up or two nil up or something like that, which again is I know a big ask, but if that happens, mm-hmm. I'm bringing I'm bringing him straight off the pitch, no questions asked. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I think as soon as we've got two goal difference, there's some there's some players coming off. Um, the the first four on your list would be the key for me. Alan Ampadu, Ramsey, and Wilson. I would try and protect protect them from from getting the second the second yellow if at all possible. But I agree. I think Ramsey. There's no doubt he makes an incredible difference to how effective we are. So he's he's the key one. Yeah. No. No argument there. I mean, it's going to be obviously a tight game against Belarus. They were quite. Um, you know they they were quite effective. I thought in the last game they were kind mm-hmm. of physical and, and took their chances when they when they got them. But I think I'd like to think that a kind of a full sellout crowd or as close to it as I think we are. Um, plus a you know plus maybe an early goal would really make a difference. I think Bale starting would also be massive for the crowd in the sense that it would be his hundredth match um, for, mm-hmm. for Wales. So as I'm I'm flying back for the game, so I would also on a very selfish level uh, really like to to be there for Gareth Bale's hundredth cap. So again, if Rob Page is listening, if he could sort that out, I would be uh, I'd be eternally <laughs> grateful. But um, yeah, I think those kind of contributing factors would make a difference, and I think would kind of give a big uplift to the crowd. Um, and I think, you know, maybe an early start, early goal. I'm going to say, in our favourite predictions game, I'm going to say 2-1, sorry, 2-0 Wales, I'm going to say. OK, I will go 3-1 then, because I was going to go 2-0, but I can't go the same as you, so I'll go 3-1. Well, there you are then, a draw it is. <laughs> um, that is, uh, that is the smart money. Um, so after that, obviously, we face Belgium, a Belgium team missing... Tielemans and Lukaku, neither of them are in the well. Tielemans was in the squad, has pulled out with an injury. Lukaku didn't make the squad. I also noticed they called up um, a, a debutant to replace Lukaku. 
Uh, and also their fourth choice goalkeeper was a guy called Matt Sells, who uh, Rafa Benitez brought to Newcastle and was hands down the worst goalkeeper I've ever seen in my life. He couldn't catch a goal, the boy. So um, I, I'm, I was amazed to see him in there. I wonder if they might go a bit more experimental, the Belgians, on the basis that they're almost certainly going to have qualified by the time we get them. Um, and I and I know they'll want to win the group and I know they'll probably want to put one on us. But I think if I'm Roberto Martinez, you know, I'm not I'm not taking any chances on someone getting injured on my watch when realistically they don't need to. Yeah, I mean, I think that the last point might actually be the key. I think Martinez is conscious of keeping good relations with club managers, particularly for a team that um, a, a Belgium team that is made up of so many star players from a cross section of club teams. Um, I think he is conscious of keeping on the good side of, of those managers. Um and I think that may play in our favour of, of him just being a little sort of tentative about what eleven he puts out in a you know a notionally meaningless game for them potentially you know potentially. Um, so I think I think that might help us. I think it might make it more likely that they put out a somewhat B team. Um, but I think their B team is going to be very good. I think their their players will be up for making a point. Um, I think we are one of the teams they would love to, you know, get a result over. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not sure. Ultimately, it will necessarily make a huge difference. Um, but I think perhaps if they go in without, you know, without it having a sort of hundred percent significance to them, that you'd you'd rather be the opposition facing a team under those circumstances than one that is, you know, going at it as effectively a knockout game that they want to win. Yeah, I mean, and and to look at their squad, you know, looking through it, some of the names in it, you know, who aren't necessarily starters, seeing people like Carrasco, two Hazards, um, Witzel, uh, who was the other one? So Dries Mertens uh, is crazy. Dante Van Zier, if that's how you say his name, is the, is the guy who's been called up for his debut. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting one. I think they will kind of put out their reserves, but as you say, the reserves are still very strong. I, I think when international teams tend to do that, as a general rule, obviously this is the jinx, but they that they can be quite inconsistent in terms of their mm-hmm. performances because obviously they're not used to playing with each other and it's not a, an all or nothing type game. Um, so I can see this one playing out to a nil-nil draw, which I know is is a, is a already a jinx, but I, I can see that happening. <laughs> Obviously, it depends. It does depend on what they do. It does depend on, you know, the, the potential suspensions. But this game really matters to us, and it really doesn't matter to them in effect. So I do think that changes the complexion of the situation as well. So I'm saying nil-nil for the Belgium game. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say one nil to them because I don't want to tip anything else <laughs> because I think um, I'm also really worried about the number of yellow cards we're carrying to significant players. I just I just can't see us getting through about the Belarus game without something headachey happening in that regard. Um, so I I think yeah I think they will pip us. Uh, unfortunately, 
I mean, the, the the big question I want to ask is: Does actually coming second in 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 real life matter? Because it doesn't necessarily guarantee us being a top tier seed. Um, and equally, I think the games would obviously be easier if we played one of the teams from the Nations League or if we played one of the teams who are kind of below us in the rankings. But I do wonder how much it matters. And it is so tight. I mean, I've got the table here in front of me. I sent it to you earlier. We're on, the, we're on 11 points. So are Croatia and Poland in terms of their net points. Because if you you lose the points you've gained against the bottom team in your group, which for everyone is six points. Scotland have got a game in hand on us, but they've got 14 points. They're also playing the bottom seed in their group, so they're unlikely to pick up more points. It's just this super weird kind of thing, isn't it? And and I just yeah. it's impossible to kind of work out what the, the permutations are. I would you know, I would love to be able to give everyone a clear and concise guide of what's gonna happen, but that's certainly not going to be be possible until uh, after the Belarus game. Um, but yeah, what do you think? Do you think it kind of matters in inverted commas whether we come second or third or not? Um, well, I think I think the one the likelihood of us coming second is isn't isn't huge because of the goal difference at the way things stand. I, you know, even if we we do okay against Belarus and, and lose to to Belgium I think I think we're unlikely to pip the Czechs for second place um the guys over at we global football um who like the the mathematician in me loves this their stats stuff I geek out on their stuff um so they have if we finish on 14 points they've said our chance of getting a home playoff game is basically two percent Whereas we, if we finish on 15 points, so if we get a, a win and a draw out of these two games, it jumps to 61%. Um, so obviously, if, if we can eke out a draw against be Belarus and eke out, eke out a draw against the Belgians, it does make a big difference to the likelihood of us finishing in one of those home playoff positions. Um, so, you know, in that sense, as you said, there are definitely there's definitely something for us to go for in this game. Um, I do think it kind of comes back to this weird air around the whole campaign that has kind of left it feeling a little bit irrelevant, especially after we yeah. drew with Estonia in September. Um, you know, it's it's in a strange way, it's felt somewhat like the old campaigns where after you know three games it really kind of didn't matter what happened and it, it became a bit redundant it's become redundant in a positive sense it's become redundant because we we've got this slot from the from the nation's league um so i don't you know i don't want to make it sound more negative but that's not what i mean i, ju I just think it's it's given this whole slightly um as i say slightly sort of irrelevance to what's going on in the group because really three of the teams in this group are at, you know one of them's going to go through and two of them are going to get to the playoffs in really regardless of what's going on in the group in the group actually you know so um yes i'd rather we get a draw against the belgians i think i think you look at the way the, the team seeded if we can get a home 
a home drawer, I think it helps as much because of the the quality of the teams that are likely to be in the away seeds pot. Um, you know, the so I, I think it's helpful, but I'm not sure. Ultimately, I'm not sure it makes that much of a difference to us. You know, you look how we played against the Czech Republic away. Sometimes being in that sort of underdog position and rolling our sleeves up and getting on with it isn't a bad position for us to be in. We don't necessarily do as well at home against weaker opposition, ironically. Yeah, I mean, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm looking through the list of names that are there now. Portugal, Switzerland, Scotland, Spain, Poland, Croatia, all at the moment the seeded teams. Well, you know, I, okay, I'd, I'd give you a game against Scotland, and I'd probably take Poland as well. But I wouldn't fancy a game against any of the others. I mean, Spain being in there, Portugal being in there is fairly terrifying. Um, and, and I would add to that, looking at the teams underneath it, Norway, you know, they're our side of the draw, wouldn't fancy them. Romania, Ukraine, yeah, okay, maybe. Um, I, the thing for me is, what I think everyone seems to be forgetting, in my humble opinion, is that... If, okay, we may get an, an easier, in inverted commas, first round draw if we beat, if we get in the top half, we get our 15 points, fantastic. To qualify for the tournament itself, though, we've still got to then beat one of the other teams who've won their semi-final. So that leaves us probably with your Portugal's, Switzerland, Spain, whoever. So even if we win the semi-final, which arguably we could make easier for ourselves, we've still got to go and beat the hard team in the final anyway. So, to me, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but it certainly isn't a big thing. It would, you know, obviously it makes life a little bit easier. Um, but I still think it's worth remembering if we beat the, win the semi-final, we've still got to go and win the final to, to qualify for the tournament anyway. So, it, you know, as I say, there's, there's no easy games. And it's, I don't know, it's going to be really tough. I, I think with the point you made there about the, the, the campaign as a whole feeling ever so slightly anticlimactic... Um, especially after we lost to Belgium in the first game on the basis that that was the game we needed to get something out of to keep them within grasp um was kind of was kind of is very true really it's it's i don't want to say it's been underwhelming because that's not the case but it's it's certainly been a weird campaign because we've we know we've had this kind of fall back if you like of the of the nations league qualifier so so it's, yeah it has been a weird one for sure yeah that, i mean there's no there's no not felt any jeopardy really has no. there because um particularly when we came out in this group because it's all it's a sort of slightly self-serving group as well isn't it yeah. so that's ironically helped us along the way too um going back to what you were saying about the the, the semi-final and the final in in the playoffs i think i think this is our biggest hurdle because i think even if we got through the first round we have trouble stringing two very good games together in a row within a window and I think I think that might that might ultimately be our downfall, regardless of who we're playing. And I think to add to that as well, again, I'd be interested to see how this works. But if you're playing an away game, you don't find out you're playing the away game until after the home game, after the semi-final. So equally, we could be playing a semi-final, let's say, against Spain in Madrid. 
and we've only had three days' notice or four days' notice to kind of get ourselves there as fans, never mind the players and everything else around that. And I'm sure the logistics of that are easier for that side. But in terms of the fans, there's certainly that element. So if we did have an away game, I'm, I'm not really sure that there'd be that many people who'd kind of be able to travel. So there's there's extra kind of smaller things that don't play on our side either as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a super complicated situation, and I'm just not sure... I'm just not sure how we see it pan out. And I think that's the crux of it to me is, I mean, I don't want to get too dark here. Do I think we'll qualify or not? I think we've, we've got, we would have to beat a big name, relatively big name to get across that final hurdle anyway. And I'm, I'm just not sure, like you say on the, you know, that's a great point you make about the two games in a window. We've, we've, that's not our forte. So I think that makes it, you know, quite difficult in and of itself. It's just, I mean, to qualify for a World Cup is ridiculously hard. And I, and I, I think I said this on the last part. I maintain that UEFA should have more um, spaces available uh, for, for, for the European teams, given the number of quality European teams there are about. But that's a story for another day. It's, it's, it's going to be very, very difficult. So it's going to be interesting to see... Um, interesting to see what happens I mean ultimately we obviously do want to come second it, there's a chance that it might make it easier and obviously that helps and these are two big games in that context um, but yeah it's going to be interesting um, what uh, what are you going to do regarding watching the game because I feel like for you for once quarter to quarter to quarter to eight sorry on a on a Saturday night is it is it's probably quite a good viewing time for you so does this mean you might be able to have your first <laughs> your first beer of the campaign with a game early lunchtime i'm actually looking into some options for that so i'm not quite sure what i'm gonna what i'm gonna do yet but um friday is my birthday so we'll see what we can combine into the into the weekend i think well i'm, I'm sure that uh you know rob page will be desperate to give you uh four points and a, <laughs> and, a, and, a and a nice potential sunny trip to uh to somewhere warm but winnable. Um, I quite fancy Oslo as a, for a playoff destination, as an aside, if we're going to do that. But uh, let's uh, let's cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, yeah, I'm flying back for the game. I um, I'm going back on Friday night, um, landing Saturday morning, doing 37 million COVID tests at great personal expense, just to because uh, the results ultimately don't matter. Because I'm flying out three days later or two days later, and then flying back Monday morning. I've got, I land, my flight lands at 10 o'clock uh, Dutch time on Monday morning, which gives me about two hours to get from Amsterdam to school. I'm going directly to work after, after a, I think, a, a, what will be a five o'clock alarm call for that. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think the kids will be getting a stellar lesson from me on, uh, on Monday <laughs> afternoon. Um, and I think my late night club that runs runs until seven o'clock on Monday might be getting uh, might be getting knocked on the head as well. To be fair, but um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to going back. It's the first home game I've been to for a long, 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 long time. I, th I was trying to do the maths on when mm -hmm. the last home game I went to was, and I think which is was it the Ireland game? Devastating news. No, I didn't go to the island. I watched the Ireland game with you, didn't I? The four-one game. Do you mean? Oh, no, of course, no. The, no. Oh, the yeah, the other campaign. You are absolutely right. The, the, other, the other one, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. That's absolutely right. That was the last. That was the last game I went to. Uh, last home game I went to. Sorry. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's something I'm really looking forward to. I'm I'm really excited to to hear the anthem uh, in the flesh again and and hear all those people singing it. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Going to take the flag as well. So if you do see the flag, please do come over and say hello. We've got a cracking little afternoon planned on Saturday. If you don't mind me sharing it. 
Um, we're, we're meeting about three o'clock, going up the Lion in Panath. Uh, and then we're going to go on uh, a few good little pubs uh, in Canton along the way before getting there, before getting to the ground. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, getting all the boys together and having a few beers and, uh, and going to the match. It should be a lot of fun. No, that's, that sounds great. I'm, I'm duly jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless unless we lose, uh, in which case we're moving <laughs> for nothing. Or worst case scenario, as someone pointed out to me today, um, all you need is some bastard on the plane to test positive for COVID on their day two test. Uh, and then I will get a close contact warning and I'll be stuck in the UK for 10 days and uh, I'll, I'll probably get fired. So swings and roundabouts, you know. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's not an ideal circumstance, but it's a risk worth taking as far as I'm concerned. If, if, I, can, if I can see Gareth Bale win his 100th cap, you know, it will all be worthwhile. Um, have you got anything else you want to add on either of these games, Ruth? No, I mean, I think, obviously, I mean, I'm actually really intrigued. I mean, for, for all we were saying about the um, the somewhat irrelevant nature of, of this qualifying campaign, I am actually really, genuinely really intrigued about how we approach these games and how we balance the the needs of some of the players, how we balance the red card, uh, the yellow card issues. I think it's, it's actually, I think it's a, um, I think, we're going to learn quite a lot about Paige and his team across these two games. Absolutely, uh, there was the, yeah, I, I think that's true, and I think it's it's going to be good to see how he handles that pressure because I think you know obviously he got thrown into the tournament to an extent uh, in the Euros, so it'll be interesting to see how he handles this. But you know, you know, I, I've I've been critical of him in the past, and I and I stand by what I said, rightly so. I I equally think that. You know, he probably knows more about football than me, so I, 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 I back him to hopefully get this right because you know it is important. I do, you know, for all the things I've said there, obviously we desperately want to qualify for a World Cup, and I think, you know, we're at the at the at the borderline really of whether some of our big name players will ever have another chance to qualify for one. Probably not. So, mm -hmm. you know, that there is that kind of added jeopardy to it as well that this is a big moment in the in the history of Welsh football in in the context of those players not just whether we could qualify for a World Cup as well. So, yeah, it's it's going to be really, really interesting. I'm obviously really looking forward to it and looking forward to the to the day out uh, as much as anything else. Um, well, uh, if you have nothing else to add, Ruth, I think we have waffled for just about an hour, so I think we've probably bored everyone to tears. So we will probably call it there unless you've got anything else you want to add. No, I think there's, there's some interesting sort of wider picture stuff going on at, at the minute. These rumours about Ramsey transferring, um, some of Noel Mooney's statements, obviously some of the activities in the clubs, particularly up at, up at Wrexham. But um, let's keep this as an international uh, international pod and we can we can cycle back to those those things once we're through the international window. I mean, what, what sort of Ramsey rumours are we talking about, Ruth? <laughs> As the Newcastle United half of of this little podcasting team, I, th I, th I think you know well and good what what uh, what uh, what the rumours are at the minute. How, how would you feel about that that move? I cannot put into words how happy it would make me. I think Aaron Ramsey obviously already looks splendid in black and white stripes, so I, I don't think there's any need for him to change those. So as a consequence, I think Newcastle is the only destination. I think the reality is, to be honest, if if, if Eddie Howe, which who I think is a good appointment, can can come in and make a difference, um, 
I don't think it would be a stretch for him to come to us, even if it was just initially for the six months. I think the wages mm-hmm. wouldn't particularly be a problem because we wouldn't be paying a, f- a transfer fee in the first instance. Um, I think obviously there's you know limitless supplies of money in the in the immediate term um, because of the circumstance with the financial fair play and everything. So there's big there's a big chunk of money to spend there if if the, if the owners want to spend it. So. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's it's achievable. I think, you know, if we're 19th, is he going to come then? Probably not. But I think, you know, if, if Howe can get us out of the relegation zone and moving in the right direction before the January transfer window, then I think, you know, people like Ramsey and James Ward-Prowse is another one I've heard uh, rumoured a couple of times, and I would be delighted to have playing for Newcastle. I think to have either of those type of players, will they will only come if we're going in the right direction. So hopefully that will happen, but obviously I would be giddy if uh, if Rambo decided to come and play for Newcastle United. Yeah, well that's I mean I think that's a watch this space. Let's come let's come back to that that discussion after the window. Yes, let's very much please do come back to this discussion <laughs> uh, after the window. Um well there you are ladies and gents. Um thank you very much for joining us. We are hoping now that our lives have calmed down uh, a little bit that we can kind of go back to doing a podcast every week or every other week every other week at the, in the worst case scenario so um hopefully we can get back to speaking to you on a regular basis so keep an eye out for those coming we will obviously be doing a podcast a week uh, of the belgium game probably i don't know ruth we're having a live meeting here but maybe the wednesday night i, I would assume after the game um yeah well, Although I will say I'm having a root canal on the on the Wednesday after the match, so I don't know I'll be even less coherent than normal. So uh, <laughs> that sounds like another bit of real life getting in the way. Yeah, it does. But I'm determined to plow through. I bloody hate the dentist. I don't suppose anyone likes the dentist really, but I absolutely despise the dentist. So I'm not gonna, you know, I'm determined not to let him uh, to, to to ruin my week any more than he is by ripping things out of my face and charging me a small fortune for it. Anyway, we are now, well, I say we, I am now waffling, which is uh, our stock and trade. So I will stop there before everyone is literally bored to see us. Anyway, um, we will be back very soon. There will be a podcast after the Belgium game in one way, shape or form, no matter how much uh, dribbling I am doing at the time. So there you go, ladies and gents. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for your time as ever, Ruth. <laughs> I'm just trying not to think about the combination of years, Novocaine and, and uh, a couple of football <laughs> games. God knows what the next podcast is going to amount to. <laughs> well, thank you for laughing at my misfortune. I think that's the, uh, that's the important <laughs> thing to remember. Okay, well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we will speak to you next week. Uh, enjoy the games. Good luck to the boys. And uh, as I say, if you see the Coleman had a dream flag knocking around Cardiff, on Saturday, please do come and say hello. Thank you very much, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye.